So we're on this series, Rooted, as you guys all know, Kingdom Foundations, right? Foundations for Kingdom Living, if I say it correctly. Um, and, and we're coming, coming to a close on the first foundation, the first, first system, and that is what? An understanding of God's love, right? Um, and we've seen, we've, we've seen through this that our theology of God forms the foundation of what we build in life. What we build in life is formed upon what we believe about God. And Jesus said in his parables, he said that, that, that life is to be built on what he says, and, 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 uh, and a life that is built on what he says is a life that is able to withstand the storms of life, right? And he tied that in with being wise and foolish. And we've seen last week that Jesus is perfect theology. Theology is important, and Jesus is perfect theology, Amen. That if you have seen him, you've seen who? The Father. That Jesus is the perfect image of the, of the Father. There are, so, there, there, there are so many people that do not have this understanding. They think that there's God the Father, that is one way, and Jesus Christ, that's another way. They think, they think that, that God the Father is eternal, and Jesus is somewhat lower than God the Father, that he's a demigod. They're using Greek mythology type ideas, that he was a created being, and he was a demigod that was, that was God created to stand in the gap for man. Yeah, he stood in the gap for man, but he, he was God. He is God. He is eternal. He is eternal. So when you look at Jesus... You see the Father. You see the Father. And I was dumb enough just to believe this when I came into the kingdom. I didn't have anybody tell me otherwise. And I remember when I first came into the kingdom, I remember, I remember just being filled. I shared a couple weeks ago some chaos that happened in, in the midst of me coming into the kingdom and the pastor calling me up and making sure that I was all right, that I wasn't mad at God or anything because of the things that were happening. And, and, uh, and I was like dumbfounded. I was like, no, I mean, I, I'm so just lost in the love of God that those things, those, those circumstances don't even phase me. And I remember having lunch with that same pastor and I said, and, and we sat down for lunch, or not lunch, breakfast. It was breakfast, and we were at, actually at the Millington Inn. I can remember it all. And I sat down with him, and I, and, I, and, I, and I said something, and I was just so filled with the love of God and, and God's love for me that I, I said, you know, I know that God loves everybody, but for some reason I think he likes me. And the pastor looked at me, dumbfounded, and, and, and he's, he, he was a great guy. He, he loved God. He loved me. He loved the church. But he looked at me dumbfounded, and he, he looked at me, and he says, Chad, well, I don't know if he likes you or not, but God does love you. And we can get to that place in our life where we know God loves us, but I don't really know if he likes me. And what we need to have is a revelation that is so deeply rooted in God's love for us that we know that he likes us, that he likes hanging around with us, that he likes those quiet times with you, that he desires the best for you. By looking at Jesus, we can get a glimpse of what motivates God, right? Because Jesus is perfect theology. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He is the express image of God. And what moved Jesus? Compassion. If you didn't listen to last week's message, it's not right to say shame on you because there's no shame on you. 
Last week's message was good. And I just say that not because I know the guy that gave it, but because, because when I, the messages are just as much for me as they are for you. Do you, you understand? God does something in, in me. And we've seen last week that, that Jesus, who is God, who, when you see him, you see the Father, you see that he was constantly moved by compassion. And we can come up for all the reasons God's going to do something for us. We can come up with all the scriptures that God is going to do something for us. We can come up for all the legal reasons God is going to do for something for us. But if you are not rooted and grounded that God's going to do it for me because he loves me, you cannot have faith. You cannot have faith. God loves you. Jesus was moved by love. Jesus was moved by compassion. When you see Jesus moved by love, when you see Jesus moved by compassion, you see Almighty God being moved by love, by compassion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the revelation of God's love towards us. And Father, we just ask that as we get a clearer understanding of this deep love that you have for each one of us, that we would get a same revelation of the love of God that wants to be manifest through us. That we are a reflection. We are image bearers. We are Christians in this earth. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, and, and that is to bring life to the word that is spoken today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as children of God, as children of God, as Christians, do you know what Christian means? It doesn't mean religious ones. It means little Christ. Little Christ. So when they started calling the church Christians, they were saying there's a bunch of little Christs running around. It's time that we reclaim that definition. So as children of God, as, as little Christ, as Christians, we are to echo the image of God in the earth. In the earth. We are to be perfected in love. We are to be perfected in the love of God. So the question is, is how, can, how can we know if our foundation, if our root system is, is, is strong enough to withstand? If it's strong enough to nourish, give the nourishment to the tree, to our lives that we need it to give, how can we know if we're truly rooted in the love of God? How can we be sure that what we know and believe, that we know and believe the love of God? How can we tell if we have been perfected in his love? I believe that there's at least two ways. The first one is ask yourself, what do you fear? The second one is how do we love others? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, if you have your Bibles, we're going to pray pretty much park in 1 John chapter 4 this morning. Um, it says, you are of God, little children. Ain't that awesome to hear right there? You are of God. How many people don't know that? You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world. And the world hears them. We are of God. He knows, he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is what we were talking about on Wednesday nights. There's a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of error in the world. And those that listen to the truth of God, I mean, think, well, what we talked about last week when we talked about Jesus. Jesus says that he came into the world for one purpose in John chapter 18, verse 37. To this end I have been born, and to this end I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone 
that is of the truth heareth my voice. This is the same thing that, that John is talking about, about the church. That when we speak truth, those that are of the truth hear, hear us. And it says here that there are those that are of God and, and that there are those that are not of God. And we see that there is a spirit of truth and that there is a spirit of error. In verse 7 it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Well, you see that dependence on the love of God? If, if you don't know the love of God for yourself, you cannot love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. How are you supposed to live? You're supposed to live in that love. From the love that you receive from God which was manifest in Jesus Christ, that's how we are to live. We don't, we, we're not drawing water from empty wells. It's fruit that happens in our life, not, not works. By right believing in the love of God for you, you manifest that fruit. Where are we? In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. When you, you have no trouble loving other people, no matter how ugly they are, if you truly understand how God has loved you, if you're truly rooted and grounded in the love of God, if you truly have built your life on the foundation of God's love, loving others is a piece of cake. So we must clarify love, though. This, isn't talk, this is talking about agape love of God. It's not the cheap imitation that the world calls love. You know, I love pizza. I love hot dogs. I love my wife. I love my dog. Are those all equal? For some people, maybe their dog and their wife, but that's a, that's a whole, don't get me off on that thing. God's love is nothing like human love. God's love is nothing like the emotion of love. God's love is sacrificial. God's love is self-seeking. You know, we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, right? And we read it at weddings and stuff. And what we need to do, go through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and replace love with God. If you really want to know what God is like, because God is love. Read, read it replacing love with God. That right there will eliminate a lot of lies that you've believed about God. See, love, the love, God's kind of love is sacrificial. It does not give love to get love. You would be surprised and what we call love is actually an attempt to be loved back. The things that we do are so rooted and grounded in self-centeredness. Love just loves, period. You know, Jesus talked about this. He talked about doing for others that have no way of repaying what you have done for them. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you have done good to others that have no really, no benefit to you? 
Most of the time, the only time we do good for others, most of the time when we seek others out, most of the time when we, when we sow and give into people's life, love, it's, it's people that have something to give us back. See, the God kind of love, Jesus' kind of love, loves without getting anything in return. What, what do you mean, Chad? God, we, we praise God because he loves us. He gets love back from us. You couldn't love him unless he first loved you. You have nothing to give God. He's all self-sufficient. It's, he's self-sufficient. He's not needy in any area of his life. So when God moves in love, it's because that's who he is. We can only operate in God's love by first receiving his love. We are to live through the very manifestation of his love, who is Jesus Christ. To to the extent that we know and believe the love that God has for us is the extent that we will love one another. When you meet people that aren't very lovable, you should feel sorry for them because they just don't know. They don't know how much their father loves them. You can always tell a person that is not rooted in the love of God because they have a hard time loving unselfishly. In verse 12, it says, no one has seen God at any time. Remember Jesus saying this? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say that you've never seen the Father? No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. So how does the world see God? The same way that the disciples in the world seen God when Jesus was on the earth. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So how do people see God? By love abiding in us. By, God, by God's love abiding in us. And his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. This is one sloppy, lovely mess, isn't it? No one has seen God. So how do we know God. So how do we know God? If you have seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the manifestation of God. Jesus is the love of God on display. We do not earn God's love. We don't work or discipline ourselves to walk in the love of God. Love isn't supposed to be hard. You're not supposed to grit your teeth and say, I'm just going to love them because I have to. Love has been born in us through faith in Christ we have the spirit of love. Do you realize that right now? Say it with me. I have the spirit of love. You have the very love that Jesus Christ had in you. Man, we got some believing to do, don't we? Those that know and believe the love of God abides, they abide in that love. What does abide mean? That means I pitched my tent. I live. This is my dwelling place. I live in the love of God. And through believing in his love, the Spirit is free to manifest that love through us. Do you realize when you're not very lovable, what you're telling people? You're telling people that I don't abide in the love of God. Those that know and believe the love of God abides in them, and through them, believing in his love, the Spirit is free to manifest that love. Every born-again believer of God abides in God and in his love, for God is love. If you struggle to love people, the solution is not to force yourself through human effort. The answer is to plunge yourself deep into the waters of God's love. Do you see how foundational this is? Do you see how everything else that we might proclaim 
about God is worthless if we're not rooted and grounded in love? If we get this wrong, the whole building is on shaky ground and it's ready to come crashing down. And it should. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. We can have boldness in the day of judgment. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. It has been said that fear is the opposite of faith. And that's not true. The opposite of faith is the law. Because the word says that the law is not of faith. If you want to check me, it's Galatians chapter 3 verse 12. So what is the opposite of fear? We just read it. Love. Love is the opposite of fear. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So how can you know if you've been perfected in love? No fear here. Perfect love and fear cannot coexist. Perfect fear and love cannot coexist. Any area of your life that fear rules, in any area that you have not come to, is it an area that you have not come to know and believe the love of God? The list of phobias that people have is staggering. But it all comes down to one thing not being perfected in the love of God in that area. When you are perfected in the love of God, there is no fear. You can be so filled with the knowledge of God's love for you that, you, that love itself will cast that fear out of your life. Do you ever wonder how the apostles were able to go through all the things that they do? did? How the martyrs, some of the stuff that you read about in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, I mean, these things that we've, you read that people have gone through, how were they able to do that? I heard one story of a missionary that was, that was beat constantly. And, and, and he has the, you know, the wounds in his body to show. The love of Christ. And he, and he made the comment, he said that when I was in prison... I couldn't remember Bible verses. I couldn't remember scriptures. I couldn't remember things like that. He says, the only thing I could remember is how much God loved me. See, the only way that you can go through tests and trials of life in this fallen world that we live in is being rooted and grounded in the love of God. The reason why we get fearful, the reason why we panic, the reason why we have anxiety, the reason why we fall, fall apart like a $3 suit is because we don't believe God loves us. This love will give you boldness in the day of judgment. It's interesting that we have to have boldness in the day of judgment. Are you ready to stand before Almighty God? There's a lot of people that are fearful of, to stand before Almighty God. Are you ready to stand before an all-knowing God? An all-knowing God, a, a God that knows what you have done, everything that you have thought, all your motives and self-centeredness, are you ready for the day of judgment? For our God is a consuming fire. 
Well, if you're perfected in love, you are. If you're perfected in love, you're ready for the day of judgment. Bring it on. Bring it on. We have no fear, even in that day. Even in that day, we have no fear because we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have believed in and trusted on the son of his love, Jesus Christ. And as he is in this world, when you stand, when you stand before God, your heavenly father will see Jesus in you. He will see Jesus standing before him. He will see his sons. He will see his daughters And God is a consuming fire, and we're going to be consumed by the fiery fierceness of his love. If you hate God, there's Mount Sinai. You had Moses that, it says, walked up into the glory of God when when the fire came down on the mountain. It says he walked up into the glory of God. And the people that were didn't have that relationship with God, the Israelites say, Moses, you go up and talk to God, lest we die. They seen death. They seen destruction. Moses seen the glory of God. We see the fiery fierceness of God's love for those that are blind and and reject the love of God and have believed the lie. They see a consuming fire. I, I, I say consume me. You know, God doesn't send anybody to hell. As a matter of fact, he says, you'll go to hell over my dead body. But there's nothing he can do for those that are willing to jump over his body. If you're perfected in love, we have no fear in that day. Because we have known and believed the Father's love. Your heavenly Father sees Jesus in you. He sees his sons. He sees his daughters. And that consuming fire is just the passion of his love. So we've been talking about the love of God. We've been talking about God's love for us. And we, and we, just, we just read scriptures on one of the ways that we see that we can know that we're rooted and grounded in the love of God is through, through fear being cast out. And uh, I'm going to ask Bobby Green to come up. She's going to come up and share with us. Bobby has a testimony. She has a testimony of how the revelation of God's love freed her from fear. Amen. Thank you, Bobby. That's all right. Is this on? Yep, you're good. Come on right over here. (laughs) There you go. Well, Wednesday, the class already heard my testimony. There you go, right there. There you go. (laughs) Touch your chin. Touch your chin with it. Huh? Touch your chin. Bottom of your chin. There you go. Right there. We just want to hear you. That's all. This is, <laughs> there this you is, go. This is more scary than anything. <laughs> uh, okay. You're doing awesome. Well, I love our class because we have such open interchange and we hear thoughts and hear what God is doing in their life. And last year when we did the healing uh, study, I had a dream that um, I was heading out to the wild, wild west, and I was like Annie Oakley, and I had my six shooters on. I was ready to face that enemy with healing, which he doesn't give up very well. But in the midst of this dream, I could sense the presence of God coming near. And I says, Lord, is that you? And I felt such a calming uh, peace that came over me when he was there. And, of course, instantly I remember pastor saying to seek God so that um, 
to bring a word to the class. And that word was, tell them I love them. And uh, so months have gone by. And of course, I've been seeing my eye doctor because I had cataracts. I couldn't read. I haven't been able to read much for a long time. But my eyes are beautiful now. I can see in a distance, but I still need upfront um, reading glasses. But as the day approached, I, I had problems because I'm extremely claustrophobic. And an incident that happened when I was a child, uh, we were at a house party and families were there with their kids. And we were told to play in the other room. Well, this one young boy just pushed me down on the bed and put a pillow over my face. I literally almost died. But finally, for some reason, he, he let me up. And I immediately went to my mother, who was out in the kitchen with the other adults. And I tried to tell her what had happened. And all she said was, go back in the other room and don't cause confusion and problems. And I felt so rejected because I really was hurting. Well, my father was always uh, a hard man, ruled with his fist, and you know, never had a relationship with him. But when my mother rejected me, and I was hurting so bad, I finally says, there is no God. I didn't believe in God at that point. Well, since that time, every time I had to go to the dentist or, oh, heaven help, if they told me I had to have an MRI, Jack almost climbed in the machine with me, holding me, and I had to be medicated. I can't go to the dentist without being medicated. But if anybody knows what a panic attack is, I mean, you, you are terrified beyond. Anyway, so the day was approaching, and I'm going to have this cataract surgery. And they, you know, all over your face, they're going to cover it up. <laughs> and I remember that Sunday before the surgery, I was just, you know, how we walk around and talk. And Tisha over here, um, when I was telling her about, I was a little bit nervous about, about the eye operation, she just got a word and she says something about that whole incident is causing the problem. So she gave me some tapes from a Jason Blouse. Is that good? Uh, close enough. Anyway, I listened to him. It talked about how, as children, you can take on lies and believe things that are not true. But um, that helped me. Of course, I have known the Lord for many years, and I knew he loved me, but no one, but really not no one, is another thing. And uh, so as a day, I only had three days. My mind is going through my head, and I'm quoting all kinds of scriptures and everything. And the day comes, and I go in there. And the panic starts setting in. My blood pressure went up. My blood sugars went up. I was in near panic. And they said, relax. It'll be all right and everything. <laughs> anyway, so they're prepping me, and they're putting drops in my eyes, and my eyes got real big. I couldn't even see, so I sat down and uh, just closed my eyes because I couldn't see anyway. But as I was sitting there, I was enveloped with a very sense of peace, just as solid as could be. And it went so bad. <laughs> I mean, I could have fallen asleep. And uh, when it came time for me to go in there, and they all knew I was claustrophobic and everything. Even my doctor called me trouble <laughs> because, because they, of what he was going to face. But they took me in. I was in such a state of peace. And they put me on the table. I'm talking to them. And the next thing you know, it's all over. And they're wheeling me out. And... Uh, I have been at such peace. Something happened. And they talk about that perfect love that cast out peace. Jesus Christ 
my Lord, just came and just took that all away. Because what had happened way back then, it wasn't so mad or the incident. I probably could have recovered from it, but I turned my back on God. And he wanted to remind me. And I, I was just pricked in my heart when I thought about that. Not believe in God. But I was there. I'm not there now. And I'm moving forward because my God loves me. He carried me through this. I can see Amen. he's going to have to depend on me to drive because he goes tomorrow for his first cataract surgery in VA. But I, I, I am a new person. I've been changed Amen. and I overcome something I thought I was going to have to live with the rest of my life. Thank Amen. Thank you, Bobby. You know what? I, I want to I be able to say that same thing. When I'm as young as Bobby, I, I want to I be able to say, the Lord is still changing me. Right? That's, a, that's someone that's seeking after the Lord. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. So the first way that we can measure if love has been perfected in us is what? By the lack of fear. The lack of fear. The second way that we can measure our perfection is in the love of our, our perfection in the love of God is for our love for one another. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. Do you see who initiates love? It's not us. It's not you. you, you we don't have love without God. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. And there's a lot of Christians that are liars. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So first of all, your love for God doesn't even initiate from you. It's from him. And with that love that you received from him, you're supposed to love your brother. And we cannot love God. You cannot say that you love God without loving your fellow man. Our love for others is the measuring stick of the depth that we have been root, the depth that our roots go down in the love of God. Some of us have really short measuring sticks. When you understand how much God loves you, you will also understand how much God loves others. Our being rooted and grounded in the love of God dictates how we treat each other. A person that is secure in the love of God is not easily offended. <laughs> I tell you what, as a pastor, in the last seven years, I've had, I realized how easy I could be offended. <laughs> there are think people that have uh, judged motives, taken things out of context, said things that were untrue. But before Almighty God, I, I can say that I, if, if any single person has done any of those things towards me, walked in those doors, I'd welcome them with open arms. You can't get offended if you're rooted and grounded in the love of God. A person that is secure in the love of God is not easily offended. So the question is, are you easily offended? Got quiet in here. Are you easily offended to the point that you break fellowship and carry a grudge with people? I'm not talking about that something someone says doesn't make you mad, that something that someone says doesn't get you to think, well, that's not true. It's, and someone that's constantly doing it, I can see trying to avoid that person. But... Where you 
break off fellowship, where, where, where you don't want nothing to do with them, that you have nothing good to say about them, that you're not seeing God's, the love that God has towards them. What do you do when people have said the wrong thing or people rub you the wrong way? If you break fellowship with them, if you're carrying a grudge, if you're walking in unforgiveness, then you're not secure in the love of God. And today you might be thinking, man, Jed, this is harsh. This is No, this is the love of God. God wants to free you. He wants to free you from fear. He wants to free you from what what the, your past and what other people have done to you, that, that, that you are being kept in a bound in a lie because you're not judging yourself in how God sees you. You're judging yourself in how others see you. You have the fear of man. See, that's rooted and grounded in fear too. You have fear of man. When you are secure in the love of God, it frees you, what I just said, you to say, who cares what people think? When you understand the love of God, you can say, who cares? Who cares what people think? And I'm not talking about that attitude of, I don't care what people think. That's not, that's not a person rooted in ground in love. That's you rejecting them. I reject you with, I don't care about you. But no, who cares what people think? They treat me like that, guess what? I'm going to love all over them. I'm going to be polite to them. I'm going to treat them good. When you let what others have done to you or said to you override what God has said and done for you, where your life, emotions, and actions are affected, you have not been perfected in love. You have a weak foundation. Your roots are not running deep. You know, I'm not, and again, I'm not talking about that fe- a feeling or a, a fleeting feeling or an emotion that rises up when someone says something wrong to you. But a festering wound that doesn't go away, something you won't let go, something you won't forgive, that is a clear indication that you have a short measuring stick when it comes to the love of God. Matthew Henry stated it this way. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of love. He that does not love the image of God in his people has no saving knowledge of God. We're going to share another testimony. I'd like Pastor Tom to come up. And Pastor Tom, he has an awesome Awesome testimony of how the love of God rocked his world and made all things new. Amen. I love you. I may or may not need these. Um, some of you might know the testimony. I'm not a, again, I announced earlier I was trying to learn the art of brevity. So um, I'm going to try to be brief. Good. <laughs> this has gone on for two hours before. But we'll, we'll shorten it up. Um, in August, 19, uh, August 16th, 1991, uh, I received a manifestation of the love of God. I'm referring to a thing that Tisha shared with me this morning. Uh, just the gift they were talking in prayer this morning, right, about the gifts of the Spirit is our expression of God's love. And I, sorry, I'm wandering off the... <laughs> what do you call it? Wandering off the... What's the word? Anyway, um, so I received as an expression of that love in the way of a miracle or healing. How, I still haven't figured out to this day what, how I should refer to that. But I uh, went to a uh, crusade uh, in my hometown. Uh, it, if you, it was Benny Hinn, right? I was, yep, I was going to say that. Okay. Benny Hinn. So, so if you have, hey, I got something to say. Can I, say, can I interrupt you? Absolutely. Always. So I don't care what you think about the man, Benny Hinn, but the ministry of Benny Hinn has done mer- Awesome things for the glory of God. Yeah, absolutely. Amen? Absolutely, yeah. I think he's great too, by the way. Yep. Um, 
But anyways, I had uh, something called Tourette's Syndrome. Uh, if, if I still had that today, you would be very annoyed just watching me. Um, I, it manifested in my life in a way of uh, vocal uh, tics. Um, a lot of, like, I would make high-pitched noises, like, literally every few seconds. Um, I would blink really hard and grit my teeth at the same time and possibly pick a point in a room and look at it over and over and over. I mean, lots and lots. Like, every few seconds this would happen. I could barely carry on a conversation. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see it from the other person's perspective. I could only imagine what it was like. So... This day, I'm not going to go into the minutiae of all the details, but this day, uh, this, this, it was a weekend, it was two days of this uh, crusade, I um, experienced the, the uh, manifestations, if you will, of these ticks and things, probably the worst day I'd ever remembered it in my life. And I, at this time, I was 22 years old, I think. So as far as I can remember, I always had this, and I actually thought, it was normal. Like, everybody had something, and I just didn't see it. But they did, they did the same stuff. But it wasn't the case. So it was the worst day, and I ended up meeting a person, sitting with them, and they knew somebody with Tourette's. So they were kind of used to this. So I, but I thought, I was actually felt like it was losing my mind with the, uh, all the ticks and things. It was driving me a little crazy. But at the same time, through these services, the presence of God was so real. Now, I had grown up a, a believer in Christ. I knew, I, you know, I went to the uh, spirit-filled churches and everything, but there was just this corporate, this anointing, and just this tangible, thick presence of God. I was born again, filled with the Holy Ghost in 1987, a few years prior. Um, I experienced the love of God in these moments. And... Um, but there was something different about this atmosphere I was in. Just, it was just, there was a unity, and there was a, a corporate worship that you can't, I can't describe, and maybe you've been in the similar situations, but it was very, uh, uh, just, you were enraptured with the presence of God, the, the love of God. Well, the, on the last service, it was the last night, the last service, we were waiting, you know, there, there's lines a mile long to get back into the different services, and, and um, I had met some, this, this person, this girl and her brother, and we got, we hit it off, we, were, we became friends instantly, and we were kind of joking because there was an overflow, it was at the IMA Sports Arena, which is now, whatever it's called now, Dort Federal something, but it was an ice, ice hockey arena in Flint, and there was, there's two rinks. Uh, two arenas. Well, the, there was one arena with just a giant screen, which was the overflow. We were joking about how lame that would be to go in there. We don't want to end up in there. What's going on in there? Presence of God's only over at this one. <laughs> so, you know, we were kind of joking. We realized that's ridiculous, but we were joking. Lo and behold, I ended up in this overflow room in the back row. And I'm like, you know, we joked, but then it became real, and uh, but we didn't give in to that. But we so we worshipped, and we were just like we were in the uh, the, the the main arena, if you will. So um, it's hard to speed this up. Benny Hinn had some words of knowledge during a worship, and he said somebody's eyes are being healed, and I didn't think anything about it. We're just worshiping, and he said it again a few minutes later. It seemed like, and then. It, for me, the, the Tourette's thing, the, the manifestation of that, the ticks, my eyes were very, very involved. So uh, third time, he said, somebody's eyes are being healed <clears throat> in the overflow room right now. And I didn't know, I really hadn't been taught faith and, and how to receive and take hold of something, but you know, my hands were lifted, I was worshiping, and I just whether I verbalized it or I, I thought it or whatever, it's almost like at the same time he was saying that, I was saying, that's for me. <sighs> and I just fell backwards. It was folding chairs. 
and again, I've tried to describe this so many different ways. But it was just like this liquid love and just electricity and just heat shot through me. And I know before I hit that chair or the floor, whatever I landed on, that it was gone. And one second, it was gone. Something I had dealt with. My whole life. And I know that Hollywood and whatever makes fun of people who have been diagnosed with that neurological disorder of Tourette's, and it's, it's funny, haha. But when you live with it, it sucks. <laughs> And when it's removed, you can't put it into words. And he healed me because he loved me, not because I earned it. And it goes without saying, but I experienced the love of God like I'd never experienced before. I was a, <laughs> I was a mess. But all I remember... I ended up on stage and gave a testimony and everything. But all I, I couldn't stop thanking him, and I couldn't stop at the top of my lungs expressing this gratitude, this love that I was feeling, and I was just... I remember before I was pulled up on stage by these guys, and I just remember being on my knees and yelling at the, literally at the top of my lungs, God, let other people come to you through this. I want other people to know how much you love them. And it was so crazy. It was just so overwhelming and Weeks and weeks and months later, I had opportunity. I, I remember being in a mall, in Genesee Valley Mall, and I was just sitting there with my mommy. My mom were there, and I was just sitting in this court and looking at people. And it was like my heart was just, like in the word we've been hearing over and over and over, Jesus being moved with compassion. And in my, it's like my heart was just being poured out. I don't, I could, I can't articulate my thought of what I was seeing within people. I just had this overwhelming love for people. It didn't matter what they looked like. It didn't matter what they were doing. I just, it's like I was seeing with God's eyes or something. It was just crazy. And different interactions with people um, I wrote some notes just to remind me of some things, but just my family, me and my dad butted heads like crazy all the time. I mean, it was nuts. I got kicked out of the house. That's how bad it was. But I just saw him with such eyes of love. And there were things that I think we would do to each other to get each other going, probably mostly me. But there was just this compassion and this heart of love and this, my mom told me, she's like, something's changed in you. Because there's no way you would walk out of this room after what he just said or there's no way. And you'd have to know the situation, but that was like one of the greatest miracles that probably took place. <laughs> But in my family and just this, I was able to just one-on-one -on -one share with people this testimony and just to let them know how much God loves them, the people I worked with. It was just a strange setup that the Holy Spirit set up. But this is all by the grace of God. You do not need to experience a miracle to experience the love of God like this. Amen.
Let me just be clear with that. I know that even Andrew Womack had a, has testimony, and it's the first time I, whatever year it was, 1968 or 69, where he shares where he went through these months of, of, of the of revelation of the love of God and just being so overwhelmed. And the first time I heard that was, was within the last year or so, I thought, oh my gosh, that's, this is, people, this, because I couldn't explain it. I'm like, why am I, why am I experiencing this? I just felt like, what, why me? Something, this is crazy. I mean, I loved it. But it was just the grace of God on display in my life. And it was so, so beautiful. And uh, I really, how many, um, let me take one step back. After ta tasting that love, all I wanted to do was be in his presence. All I wanted to do, whether it was in the word, whether it was in fellowship with other believers, whatever it was in praise and worship, I literally at work would look both ways and sneak in to a literal broom closet and shut the door, hoping that nobody had to clean anything in this half hour. And I would get on my knees and worship God with my whole heart in this broom closet at work. Like this is... I was, it was like, I don't know what it's like to be addicted to anything as far as drugs and stuff like that, but there was this crazy addiction to the presence of God. There was this crazy hunger, like I could not wait to get home, and I lived at well, my parents, I could not wait to get home and run upstairs and just be alone in the presence of God, and it, it was just this drawing, just this pulling, a constant pulling. I, I, can't, I can't explain it, but it was so strong. And the more I hung, how many knows that, you know, it's, it's an adage we use to apply to uh, kids. You know, you, we always tell our kids, you know, you become who you hang around with, right? That's true. Um, there's some scripture back that up, but I started become, I didn't realize it, but I was I was continually becoming who I was hanging around with. Amen. And uh, I know that, I, I don't know if Andrew Womack coined the phrase or not, effortless change, but there was, that was what was happening in me. It was this effortless change in me. And, uh, but just, I, I just saw people so different. I just saw people with, with God's heart and loved them. And um, just, you know, there's, Hours and hours of story, but I'm not going to go into it. And, uh, I, just, I do want to share. You know, Paul prayed for us in Ephesians. This is one of our scriptures we had. Pastor Chad handed out. But Paul prayed for us in Ephesians. And this is a prayer I prayed over myself. A prayer I prayed over my family and, and others. And, uh, and maybe um, I, I would really encourage you to, to pray this over yourself. Pray this over your family. Because God wants wants you to experience his love more than you can ever imagine. He's so overwhelmed with love for us, and he, want, he wants us. You know, he, it, you know, he poured his love into you when you were born again. It's the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. That agape love is in us. It's in us. To that, that's the only love we can love others with in the face of being offended, in the face of annoying people, in the face of whatever. Um, that's the love that we have the power to love with. And it's, it's a beautiful love that is, like Pastor Chad referenced, 1 Corinthians 13. It is kind. It is patient. It's not easily offended. It's not easily, I'll give my paraphrase, jacked out of shape. It's interesting how I was asked to do this, and this morning was really... The devil loves to throw wrenches in the gears, right? I had some wrenches thrown in my gears this morning. Uh, I apologized, and God is good all the time. But he loves you guys so much. And I really, 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 really believe the word of God, that it's possible for every one of us to have the revelation of how real his love is. And if you will, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, just a couple of verses Ephesians 3, 16 through 19 says, May he grant you out of the riches of his glory 
to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith, and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing, endless love, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which, for, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. And so just mere knowledge is no experience. That you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. And if I may, you can see that as Pastor Chatelos replaced that love in 1 Corinthians 13 with God here at the end, filled and flooded with love himself. So that is my prayer for us all, that we would just be flooded with his love. Because we can't love without his love. Abide in his love and receive his love, even in the face of junk. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because of his righteousness, because of his love. He saved you because of his love. He heals us because of his love. His forgiveness is because, it's all because of his love. That's all. And thank you. Oh, here. Isn't the love of God awesome? It's awesome. You know, next week we're going to be moving on to the next foundation, and that the foundation that we're going to be moving on to is understanding your, your spiritual makeup. But that does not mean that our growth in the love of God stops. It doesn't stop today. So we're going to, here's some ways that we can continue to grow in the love of God. Don't get complacent about discovering God's love. Don't put God's love on the shelf. Don't, don't take this as just another spiritual principle that you've learned and you put it in the shelf of your mind until you need it one day. Tell you what, if you pull it off the shelf when you need it one day, it's going to be too late. We are supposed to be abiding in the love of God. Another thing you need to do is, is study the Word of God from God's point of view. So many people read the, 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 the Bible for things that they need to do. You know, that the, word isn't, the Word of God is not about what we need to do. Hope you figure that out. It's about what God has done, what God has done for you, who you are in Christ. See this as a love letter written to you. There's so many times that people read, in the, in, even in the New Testament, they're reading the New Testament, and, and it's talking about our former life. They're talking about, it just goes through different types of sins and everything. And, and the problem is, is we read through that, and we don't read it through God's point of view. We read through it and say, well, I, I've done some of those. I've done those things. But then Apostle Paul goes on and says, as some of you were like that. We need to see it through God's point of view, that you're no longer like that. As he is, so are you in this world. You have been perfected by the love of God. Read it from God's point of view. Ask the Spirit to teach you about God's love. We all have the Holy Spirit. We all have the Spirit of God, God himself, living with us daily. He's probably the most powerful and neglected thing on the face of the earth. The one that has all the answers to like every single problem. But we ask Siri. 
or Alexa. And the last one is ask God. Ask God to show you how much he loves you every day. Every day, when you're getting ready in the morning, when you're driving the car, God, show me, show me. I want to experience your love today. Show me your love. Show me your love. There's nothing wrong with asking God to show you his love. There's nothing wrong with having the love of God just experience it, the extravagant love of God in your life daily. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised if you ask him to show you how much he loves you. How many things we miss in our daily life that were spheres of light of his amazing love. That we want the love of God to be real. That it's just not something we sing about. It's just not something that we read about. It's not something that we talk about. But it's something that we experience. We experience the love of God. Amen? Amen. Well, the good news is, is that God loves you. And the good news is, is we get to abide and live in that love. And the good news is, is that we don't have to love others through our own strength because we fail daily. But we can love others through that same love in which he first loved us. What if the whole world lived like this? Well, it can start in your home. It can start in your workplace. It can start in your community. It can start with you and me. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your extravagant love. We thank you for the testimonies given this morning of love revealed, love that transforms, love that changes, love that shakes the earth, love that makes all things new. Heavenly Father, we just ask that as we start our day asking for you to reveal your love towards us, that we would be a people that walk in such a revelation of the love of God that it would just shine, it would shine from us, from our fingertips, from our, from our innermost being. We would be that love in the earth. That we would care for people. That we wouldn't be quickly offended. That we would encourage and build and, and edify people as we are edified by your love. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your love saved us, your love sustains us, and one day we will spend forever in the tangible presence of the love of God. We love you, but most of all, we receive your love this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.